and a little bit more meaty than uh, the other five chapters. I don't know if I'll be able to put this all into one section, but we're going to try. Um, maybe we'll have to... Exp- Boy, you need, to, you need to hush your mouth. Yeah, Dad is up here. Hey, yeah. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 1 is where we're going to start. So let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just please bless us tonight, Lord, as we go over your word. I pray that your hand of mercy be upon us as we try to discern your word. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you just please give us grace in this time. I pray, Lord, that we would take the wisdom and apply it to our hearts this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, again, who's he talking to? Who's the first guy he's talking to? He says, my son, my son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, and thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of a hunter, and as a bird of the hand of a fowler. What is surety? Can somebody tell me what surety is? Oscar. Okay. Anybody disagree with that? Anybody have an opposing thought to that? Okay, and I, I wouldn't doubt you on that, brother. Surety is that, um, but you can almost look at um, uh, basically the idea that this was not just a close-ended debt. Uh, think of it this way. It would be like if Eric came to me and says, Brother Harold, I need a loan, and I'd say, well, how much? I don't know. I just need a loan. Well, how much of a loan do you need? I don't know. I just need a loan. And I say, okay, Brother Eric. And so whenever Eric signs over something, it's an open-ended credit line. Can you imagine being that responsible for something? Your children are literally an open-ended credit line. Okay? they You are on the line for them until they're 21 years old. Whatever they do or whatever they wrong they do, you're responsible for their actions. And you have to make sure that they're doing the right thing. Uh, it says here in this verse, it says what? My son, my son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou stricken thine hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy, or with thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. You as a person have to be careful that you're not giving yourself over to a person. Uh, example given. You are, uh, charity today can be an open-ended credit line to someone. If you're giving just willy-nilly just because you feel like you need to help this person every time, sometimes you're doing them wrong. And why do I say that? Because literally, you're, anything that they need, anything they want... You're giving it to them, and you're not allowing them to trust in the Holy Spirit. You're not allowing them to give uh, uh, hindrance to what God or uh, access to what God wants, because you're now becoming that Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that you should not support someone if they have a need. I am not saying that you should not be faithful to being charitable in your giving, charitable in your actions. 
What I'm saying is you better be careful that you're not allowing someone to default on the things that God wants them to do. It says here, it says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. You have literally given yourself over to something that you should never do. Um, you know, if you have a person, and I know this for a fact, there are people that definitely do not need charity. Instead, they need some stern talking to. They need some tough love. They need some understanding. And sometimes what we do is we enable that person to go further. In our church, I wouldn't say that's the case. Most of the people that are down and out are pretty hard workers. Uh, most of the people, if they could get a job, they'd do a job and they'd work hard at it. But this, this Bible verse here is saying, be careful that you're not allowing yourself to be given over to surety. What could be a way of surety as a Christian that you could give yourself over to? And let's just take Oscar's example. What would be something that you, Oscar, would be surety that you could give yourself over? Not, not examples that I just gave, but something you were talking about. Car note. What else? House. Why does it say in verse 3, Do now this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. What does it say that for? Are you going to go to him and say, hey, clear me of this debt? Kind of takes a little bit of importance on the word that you're saying. A man's word is his bond, isn't it? You better be careful. If you're going to tell someone, hey, I'll take care of you. I'm going I'm to do something for you. You better do it. Don't be a liar. And he says, listen, you humble yourself. Bring yourself to an understanding that says, I'm not going to allow myself to uh, promise things that I can't keep. He says, do this now, my son, deliver thyself. When thou art come to the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. He says in verse 4, give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thy eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Listen, when you think about the uh, 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 deer, how many ever been hunting? Brother Cecil, you ever been hunting before? The gun, shoot deers? No? Oscar, have you? No? Anybody? I haven't. But what I've heard is, um, maybe someday I will. I don't know. We'll see. I like deer meat. And some people don't like it. They say it's too gamey. But I like deer meat. But uh, I've heard that they are very wily creatures. Little tiny noise. They're gone, right? If they can keep themselves out of from being shot, they're going to keep themselves from being shot. You think about a bird. Now, I know a little bit about birds. We had one growing up. I don't know. It's April. I don't know how she captured that dumb... You guys remember that parrot, Oscar? That dumb parrot. Chester, do you remember that parrot that my parents had for a little bit? I don't even remember the name of the, the dumb bird. I would do everything in my power to make it mad at me. And I tell you what, I was probably abusive, but I hated that bird. It was a wild bird. She'd found it. It was outside, and she had coaxed it into the cage. I'm like, why did you do that? She basically made surety ship for that stupid bird. And that bird, uh, you know what? If it could get out, it would get out, and it would fly away. And that's the same way the Bible is trying to say here. Be careful when you give yourself. Don't put yourself in a proposition that's going to cause you harm down the road. Be careful that you don't give yourself over to that. A couple things that I took out of this. Um, there's there's a couple examples of Paul accepting um, somebody's past liabilities. Anybody remember that? I'll give you a hint. Philemon. 
Maybe remember that story? What happened in Philemon? You girls know what Philemon's all about, right? Did we go over Philemon? No, we haven't got to that yet. But Philemon was what? He was a slave. And as a slave, he was responsible. He had escaped his master. And what did Paul tell his master? Right. It's interesting, though, that Paul only accepted Onesimus's what? Past liabilities. He did not accept the future ones. If anything he harms in the future, I'm going to pay. No, he didn't say that. Whatever he's done so far, I'll take care of. Now, it's a great example of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You think about this. Jesus Christ took care of your past, your present, and your future. That's something to be excited about. I think that we need to be careful as far as Christians that we don't give ourselves an unconditional pledge. It may unintended to service by exposing him to temptation and the subsequent grief of having brought a friend to ruin. As you as a Christian, you've got to be careful not to just give over yourself to whatever that person wants. And you know what? Our children can be that way. Believe it or not. You can give in to your children. Oh, Daddy. I tease Chloe all the time. Uh, she was telling me the other day something of, uh, Dad, you don't understand. I, I don't get it so good. And I said, really? Who was the first one to get a mountain bike in the family? You were, right? I'm making her, she's all blushing up here. But I says, look, my children, I want them to learn how to work. I was talking to Brother Rolando this week, and, and he, he was out there helping me cut some wood, and, and we, we laid a tree down, and I says, look, I want my children to learn how to work. I, I'm, I'm encouraged. Brother Sesser has got Sesser Jr. out there. He looks like he's about ready to fall asleep. He needs another haircut. You know what I'm saying? He needs a manly haircut. None of this bushy stuff like your pastor. You know, he needs a real man's haircut. So does Lewis Jr., we're going to have to have a haircutting contest down here. Zzz, you know what I'm saying? But you know what? I'm excited to see that the Monterosa family has what? They've taught and teaching their children how to work. It's important. Don't be that father. Don't be that mother that says, Oh, I'll give you whatever you want, sonny. I'll give you whatever you want, daughter. Teach your kids how to work hard. It's, it's something to be said of you as, as a parent. That when your kids get old enough that they can work and they can get a job. Now again, the world has changed since I was 13, 14 years old. But I'll tell you this, when I was 13, 14 years old, did my parents buy me everything? No. I had to go out and work for it. I would mow yards. Rosessa, you, you, you probably got the same idea when you were my age. When I was 14, 15, 16 years old, me and my brother Andy were bringing $400 a week home. And a lawn mowing business. This is back in 95. Why was that? Because our parents didn't buy. They didn't have the money, first of all. But if you have a man of means or a woman of means, you know, and you, you get, you're spoiling your children. You're basically defiling this very verse that's saying not to make yourself suretyship. Be careful. Now, let's move on. The next part here I thought was very interesting because it kind of gives into this second aspect. And I've already been knocking on it a little bit. Here, Chloe, clean that off for me, please. It says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. I love that word, sluggard. That just defines someone that's lazy, doesn't it? Uh, I, I think about, I've been teasing my wife lately. She's been, she's been getting all these, brother, Sister Don, I don't know, do you think those sloths are cute? Those little stuffed sloths? You know, a sloth animal. Do you think they're cute? 
Miss Raina, do you think sloths are cute? She didn't know what... Sloths are these animals that have these... you know what they are, Maritza? You know what a sloth... You probably like them, don't you? No? They're these... Kim, you know what sloths are, right? And, and, and I don't know if it's been popularized by Hollywood or by Disney. They got these huge claws, and they're always... look like they're super lazy. And my wife and my mother, they're in conspiracy against me. They're buying him uh, uh, little sloth animals and little sloth... And I'm like, what are you teaching this boy? Are you teaching him to be a lazy creature? And you know, maybe I'm a little bit over the top there. But listen to me. The Bible says, go to the ant, thou slugger. Consider her ways and be wise. Listen, as an individual, as a Christian, our goal is the Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy what? Might. I think this interesting that this Bible talks about making yourself a surety for the friend. Why? Because you can being a surety for a friend can be what? Giving someone over to laziness. Your children, uh, a close friend that needs help, uh, whatever it may be, you got to be careful with that. Verse 7, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. It should be said that a Christian is a hard worker. It should not be said that Boy, you know that Harold, he is just the laziest guy. I tell you what, I got this um, co-worker of mine. I love him. I want to see him saved. But he's lazy. This boy, we're supposed to do uh, uh, preventive maintenance packages. There's nobody that's checking you. There's nobody looking at you. And, and two of my co-workers do this. They sign into it. They punch into it. And then what happens? They wait an hour. They sit around on the clock and then they punch out of the job. They're lazy. And he keeps on telling me, he says, Harold, you know what I do. You know, these are no fun. These, these work projects are no fun. They're really a pain. He says, you know, I, I said, I got a couple PMs left for the month. And he says, Harold, you know what I do? I says, I know what you're going to do. I says, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to finish my projects and I'm going to finish them on time. Shouldn't be said to your boss that he looks at you and he says, boy, that person's super lazy. What kind of a testimony are you being to Christ? The Bible is very clear. Go to the ant, thou slugger. you ever seen an ant? Do you know an ant can carry over ten times more than its body weight? Now, I will tell you right now, Brother Sassar, there is no way I can carry over 2,000 pounds. Okay? And that's not even half of it. Like 3,000 pounds or 2,500 pounds. I can't carry a ton, Eric. That's a pretty heavy weight. It says, go to the ant, thou slugger. You know what? As a Christian, you should be one of the hardest workers there are out there. Why? Because you're showing what Christ is doing through you. So verse 9, I love this part. He says, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When, when wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Oh boy, do we have problems. Sassar, do you like to sleep? Sassar Jr.? Yeah? How many hours of sleep do you get a night? Wow, he's doing good. Anybody else? Louis Jr., you, you get sleep at night? How much sleep do you get a night? Wow, you guys got him working hard. Good job. Oscar, how much sleep do you get a night? You get your good 10? 20 hours. <laughs> Sister Kim, how many does Dan get a night? I'm not going to ask Dan. 
How many, how many hours of sleep does Dan get a night? Eight or nine? That's a good... That's a good. They say that literally the, the least amount of hours of sleep is seven. But what happens with us? You know, we get up in the morning and, and uh, we have problems, don't we? Getting out of bed. We hear that alarm clock go off and we have struggles. Why is that? Because we're a little bit of sluggard. He says, he doesn't say, uh, he's not saying sleep's wrong. What does he say? He says, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? Miss Raina, it's not good to have less than seven hours of sleep, okay? It's probably good that you get a little bit more. I know Miss Raina, she probably don't get a lot of sleep, do you? You want more sleep, but you can't, right? I know how it is. You know, you get up in the morning and, and you're, sleep, you're sitting there and you're sleeping in bed and you hear the alarm clock go off. And you know what happens, right? As soon as that alarm clock goes off, man, your brain starts to go, right? But listen to me, some of us young people, we have the same problem. Especially when you're younger. I remember, Eric, I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I could sleep till noon. I can't do that now. If I go to bed at 9, 10 o'clock at night, I'm up the next morning at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Zach, how much sleep do you get at night? <laughs> yes, that's good. Amen. It says here, it says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? It says in verse 10, Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little of folding of the hands to sleep. And it says, So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. As a Christian, you have to be careful that you're not spending too much time in sleep. Don't let sleep be your God. Don't let sleep be your your (laughs) inordinate affection, you might say. Why? Because when you sleep, you're going to be what? You're going to come to poverty. It should be that you're actively trying to do what God wants you to do every morning. You get up. You're faithful to God's calling. You're looking for what God wants you to do. Let me, I remember a... I'm sorry, Lewis Jr., I apologize. I, I remember a preacher, uh, evangelist Bill Rice III. He would say, what is God's will for you to do? You remember this Oscar? Remember me telling this illustration before? And he'd say, brush your teeth. Now, I always thought that was interesting because why? It's so simple, but it's God's will, right? The Bible's saying here, get up out of bed, right? Now, Cesar Jr., he's working hard. Louis Jr. is working hard. But there's going to come a time when Cesar Jr. and Louis Jr. are not going to have to have a lot of work to do. Mom and dad are not there, and they're not telling you what to do. But you know what? You can still get up. And not be lazy. Even on your days off. Does God have a plan for you on your day off? He sure does. Does God have a purpose for you on your day off? He sure does. You know what? There's things that you can do every day. Hey, Cesar Jr., Lewis Jr., if you got something you need to do, come over here and talk to me. We'll find something for you to do. Someone needs to get this this front lawn water. It's looking real bad. But you know what? There's something we can always do to serve Jesus Christ. It says here, one that travaileth, oh, there we go, and thy want as an armed man. All right, we're moving on. Verse 12, 13, 14, and 15 is uh, something that I want to take. So he goes in from the sluggard to a what? A naughty person. What is a naughty? You children are very naughty. What does that mean? What is it? It's Go ahead, Daniel. Troublemaking, okay, yes. 
I'm sorry? Unruly? Okay. Daniel, do me a favor and check and see what's going on out there. Make sure it's nothing that we have to worry about. Thank you. Verse uh, says, A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. Someone define froward for me. What is it? Perverted. What's perverted mean? Not straight or crooked. It's someone that's a liar, right? I don't think the Bible is talking specifically about the perversion that we think about today. Uh, you talk about perversion today and you say, oh, that person's going to tell a dirty story or they're going to talk. No, this person is never straight. They're always trying to tell a story. They're always, it's interesting. It says he weaketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teaches with his fingers. You ever seen someone do this? They're talking to someone else and, and you're, you're talking to them and they're, they're doing one of these. You ever seen them do that? What are they doing? They're trying to get that other person's attention. They don't want to say it out loud. Why? I'll give you an example. You're going to laugh at this. When I was when I was in Bible college, there was this guy that was stealing. You say in Bible college? Yeah. There's thieves in Bible college. And this guy would steal from the dorm rooms. I remember I had my wallet and thinking it was safe, I put my wallet up on the shelf. I had 80 bucks in cash. This is before debit cards were popular. Had my wallet sitting up there and had 80 bucks in there. I was going to, I don't forget what I was going to use it for. And I was at that time, I was trying to be healthy, which is outside of the fact now. But I was trying to be healthy and I was running. And I went out and ran five miles. I come back. I went to go look at my wallet and it was gone. The only two guys that were in the room at that time was the one guy that was always stealing. I remember being so angry. And I said, uh, I told my roommates, I says, listen, and one of them was the, the, the thief's brother. I told my roommates, I says, guys, this doesn't go out of the dorm room. Don't ever tell anyone about this. I'm going to try to get to the bottom of this. So I'm sitting in my dorm room. We get back and the thief walks in the room. You like this, Eric? The thief and his brother knew sign language. And so I'm sitting on my bed. And I'm talking to the thief, right? Actually, the thief was my friend, believe it or not. And I look over, and I see the thief looking at his brother. And as I'm talking to him, he's looking at his brother. And I turn around real fast, and what do you think his brother was doing? He was sign language to him that I, that I was looking for a thief. And he didn't want his brother to get caught. So he was telling him about it. Even though I made him promise, don't... Oh, my goodness. Right here. See that? That was from the fight that ensued. I chipped my tooth. Oh, man, I was so mad. I was so angry. I was a little bit of a brawler, you might say, at that time. I was angry. Why? Because this young man was doing what? He was winking with his eyes. He was speaking with his feet. He was teaching with his fingers. Listen to me as a Christian. We should never be someone that's afraid of what we're saying. We should be able to say it in the open. You know what? If you can't say it and it's not right to say, the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and you'll be careful what comes out of your mouth. And that goes for Facebook too. Just this week I had a friend. I was, I was giving him a hard time. And someone else took it the wrong way. 
And I told him, I said, no, I, I, I didn't do that. I said, I love you, brother. I'm not trying to cause you any issues. Don't say things that you wouldn't say in person. Get on Facebook and you don't see the person. You get on Instagram, you don't see the person. You get on Twitter, you don't see the person. What do you do? You put a bunch of garbage out there. It should be not be said that even between Christians, that there should be a, a bitter or guile spirit between each other. There should be a sweet spirit, a loving spirit. Don't be like this person who has the what? The froward mouth. The Bible says in verse 14 about this person, frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. What does that mean? Frowardness is in his heart. We talked about it last week that literally that, that the evil man can't stop from doing evil. You ever wonder how in the world do people that are doing these things out here in the streets that are getting shot, that are getting killed, that are selling drugs, how do they continually do that and not be convicted? How do they continually do that and not be uh, uh, concerned about what they're doing? It's because of this thing right here. It's in their heart. You say, your child, can they be that way? Yep. If you don't discipline your child correctly, if you don't deal with your child correctly, the Bible says even a child is known by his doings, doesn't he? When you look at your children, you say, hey, hey, are you doing right here? Are you being faithful here? The reason why they have that mistress, the Bible says what? Anybody know it? Girls know it? What does it say? Foolishness is what? It's bound up in the heart of a child. Foolishness is bound up. That perverseness is in there. It's going to come out. Look at little Tony. He's so cute. He's such a cutie. Guess what? Mom, he's got perverseness in his heart. You see little Noli down here? He's, oh, believe me, he's got a lot of foolishness in his heart. And the other day, Mom was chasing him down the hallway. He had gotten one of his sister's jump ropes, and he's doing this army crawl. And she kiddingly says, what are you doing? He turns around. Just this big smile on his face and giggling, just keeps going. Why? He knows he shouldn't have that, but he got it. He's got excited about it, right? Listen to me. The naughty man, he's got froward in his heart. He devises mischief continually. You think about a man that's perverse in his thought. He's always thinking those bad thoughts all the time. That lust, that evil communication, it's always going through his mind. And number three, he soweth discord. Not only, number one, it's in his heart. He devises it, he thinks about it, and then he does it. He sows the discord. The Bible, the Bible says, it says, cast out the what? Cast out the what? Scorner, and what will happen, Miss Raina? Do you remember? Contention will cease, won't it? You want to find, especially you that got kids, you want to find out who the problem is? Take one of them out. And leave the other parent at home with the rest of them. See where the fighting stops and where the fighting begins. That's your scorner. And here we find here what? He's so a discord. The person that's mischievous. The person that's I got a froward heart. The first person's got a froward mouth. Listen to me. He's always doing what? He's sowing discord. Well, do we have that in the church? We can have that in the church, can't we? Why is that? Because that person has got frowardness in his heart. We got to be careful. It says in verse 15, Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be, he be broken without remedy. Say that again. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. 
Um, I watched a docu series or docu documentary. How many's ever heard of the Barefoot Bandit? Look it up, Eric. Have you heard of the Barefoot Bandit? He's probably my age, but back in the early 2000s, this kid—he was like 16, 17, 18 years old. He stole millions of dollars of equipment, and was he was not caught for 10 years. 10 years. He stole planes. He stole cars. He broke into people's properties. And every time the police tried to catch him, guess what? They couldn't find him. They couldn't get him. He would just sneak out of the way. He went as far. He, he flew a plane. A plane that I don't know how to fly planes. He didn't know how to fly planes. He took this plane 1,200 miles from Illinois all the way down to the Bahamas. Crash landed it. Escaped. Stole a, a huge fishing boat, took it out, tried to escape from the police. They finally fired on him, and he had to stand up there, hands behind his head. You say, how did he get that far? He's 16, 17, 18 years old. How did he get that far? It goes back to this verse right here. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. You say, how did the kid get that way? The funny thing is they're interviewing the mama, and then you understand why he is the way he is. And as a Christian, we need to be careful that we are not the same way. Don't be the person that's full of mischief. Don't be the person that has frowardness in your heart. Be careful not to follow the ways of the world. All right. I'm going to stop here. Is that what time we usually get out? What time? 8.30? Okay. There's, it's too much to go in here, but I want you guys to look over these verses. I love this verse. In verse, Miss Raina, you like this, don't you? This is a good verse. Proverbs chapter six, commit it. Or Proverbs chapter six, verse sixteen through seven or through nineteen. Six things doth the Lord hate, yea, what? Seven are an abomination. Eric, what's important about the number seven? What in, in, in Jewish or Bible terms, seven is what to God? You're close. You've told me this before, so I thought you knew it. Uh, who said it? I heard someone say it. Glenn? It's the number of perfection. Okay? It's the number of perfection. When God says it, this is complete, complete list. Okay? Now, I'm not saying it's perfection as far as what's being done. I'm saying it's a completion of what God, God hates. And I'll give them to you. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, Actually, thought about preaching on this the other day. And heart that deviseth wicked imagination. Boy, this does not sound. Does this not sound like our our country today? Feet that be swift to run into mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And it's interesting here. He repeats that phrase. He that soweth discord among the brethren. It's very interesting. Very interesting. All right. Anybody have any questions? I'm going to open it up. I have a few minutes. I just don't want to keep getting into this because this is a big. This is a big uh, um, situation here. Anybody have anything they'd like to add or any questions they might have? Oh, man, it must be the end of it. She's crying. So basically you're saying like surety is also uh, not just for financial debt. You're saying it's for uh, if you allow, if you enable somebody to right. sin. Right. I mean... 
I would say what you first said was probably the more common application. But after I've done some research, it was talking about an open-ended agreement. Basically, you're taking care of all their needs. And that's not where you want to be. The government has an open-ended com commitment to people, right? Um, you, should, you should. You should determine what's a good charity and what's not. Um, there's a good book out there, and I, I think I have it on my bookshelf at home if you want to read it, Oscar. And I, I don't know if you're a big reader or not. But it was, it's, called, um, the, it's called Compassion, the American Tragedy of Charity. And it talked about in the beginning when America, before America, when America was first founded, how they determined who should get money and who shouldn't get money. And it was interesting because it kind of detailed how it used to be that we researched people that needed charity and looked into them that needed charity. Nowadays, they just give it out willy-nilly. I mean, you can go down to any type of things here, and it's really preventing the people that really do have a need from getting being able to take care of it. There's a lot of people that don't work for their food. They don't do the things. They're not even actively pursuing trying to get a job. Uh, I think of some of the people in our church, you know. I think of Brother uh, Till and Sister Kim. They, they can't do anything about it. They're doing everything they can to make it happen. And people are, I don't know if they've ever been prevented from getting stuff because of that, but there's someone that really needs it. Then you go out here and the people that don't are lazy, they don't work. Yeah. I heard something the other day where they're talking about a universality of income where you get like $1,000 a month just for doing nothing. doesn't matter who you are. The sister Kim's like, really? I know where I need to move to. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> I, it's something in California. I'm not going to tell the name because Oscar's going to move out there then. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know Oscar. It's somewhere in California though. I read it and I don't remember it to be honest with you. So, No, it's local. It's local. I just thought, wow, how bizarre. I mean, they've been talking about it for years. And uh, it looks like they're trying to enact on it. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but yes, did I answer your question, Oscar? Good. Um, yeah, we got to be careful. Even as a church, we got to be careful, right? Um, there is people that truly have needs and there are people that don't. Other people that come to this door, right, Brother Glenn? Over the years that have come to the door asking for rent. Or this one time we had this family that had gotten hold of us. Actually, it wasn't the family. It was a friend of the family that got a hold of us on Facebook. And they said they had a need. You know where they lived? You ever seen those, remember those uh, condos over there on, on by McKinley Park? Newly built condos, that's where they lived. And you ask them, what do you need for help? And they, they, they really didn't need the help. And we tried to help them, and we could get you some groceries. No, I don't need groceries. It was just looking for some type of money, some type of handout. And uh, yeah. And it, it, it detracts from what people really need, right? You think about it. When when you when you take need out of society, I was thinking about this the other day. Today we're more concerned about um, what transgender people think. People back then they could care less. Oh, there was a lady that we know of that's got literally no money. She's she's basically living on ether, and yet she's going to try to change her. 
her gender. And I was thinking about this. People 100 years ago, do you think they cared about gender? They, they were so wrapped up in just putting some, some bread and meat on the table. They could care less about everything else. I just need to feed me and my family. But because we've been so fattened. Look at me. I'm talking about me. We've been so fattened by the wealth and the goodness of what God has. Maybe it's not God. Some of it's, I think, the devil. We've gotten overabundance. And so what we've done is, is we just got so much. We don't need God. It's, it's amazing. Most of the world survives on what? A couple bucks a day. Most people in America, that's what they spend on their coffee in the morning. I'm not getting on the wealth of America anymore, but Brother Glenn's like, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to take a second nap right now. <laughs> All right, let's close in a word of prayer.